Amen. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 6. Children's children are the crown of old men. That means grandchildren. And if you have grandchildren, uh, you'll know that they're just like, just like a little crown. I mean, I was quite the disciplinarian coming up, and now I see my children following in my footsteps, and I have to plug my ears and go run in the other room uh, when it's time to do business. And children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children are their fathers. That means dad, when they're little, dad can do no wrong. Dad can whoop anybody. My dad's better than your dad and bigger than your dad and better than your dad. But uh, Adams asked me to preach on the home. And uh, I recoiled a little bit when he asked that because I do not feel qualified. Um, I preached a message, a series of messages about six years ago called Halfway Home and Still Standing. And if I had a do another series, I'd probably write three quarters of the way home and barely crawling. But, um, but I pray that the Lord help you in this. Remember your children were little and everything was perfect. They were all going to be preachers and pastors and missionaries or preachers' wives and missionaries' wives and they'd run with their little, uh, their little colored picture from Sunday school or from clubs and, and everything was just going to be all right. Remember the first time you walked in here? All the perfect people. <laughs> and the perfect pastor and the perfect programs and the perfect prodigy, the perfect children. And, and I know that in my own life, when I had a young family and uh, where I was, I didn't like too much of what I saw in the young people. And, and I began to see a, a group of people, a remnant of people uh, that had something that appealed to me in their children. And I said, that is what I want mine to be. And so if I just get in the right place with the right people and the right pages, everything will be all right. Proverbs chapter 30. Verse 17. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young eagles shall eat it. I hope this is never the case, but from time to time your children grow, and in some cases you'll notice a change one day, and the eye is the window to the soul and and. And those eyes will go dark. You can't hide it. And those eyes will go dark and the house may be swept. And the house may be garnished. But if you got the Spirit of God in you, you know that nobody's home. And you can't serve God and mammon and and you can't, he said, he that is not with me is against me. And that house can only remain empty before somebody else is going to move in. And there's almost a, a spiritual 
a, 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 a dumb spirit, can't really hear spiritually, can't really speak spiritually, that sort of comes over some of our young people from time to time. Nehemiah chapter 8. I want to give you... we call a syllogism. Syllogism is if this is true and this is true, that means this is true. Example, music is a language. All language is not good. Therefore, there must be some music that's not good. Now, you won't hear it at the contemporary church, but that's just the truth of the matter. All right? Nehemiah chapter 8. Let me tell you, you are what you listen to. Don't doubt it. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Then said he unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, amen. Drink the sweet, amen. I said to Kim tonight, she, she had a Pepsi, and I said, You know, I, I've struggled with food and stuff all my life, but really, sugar drink like that is not. Why would I waste the calories on that when I can have a sandwich? And she said, A sandwich and a Pepsi. And send portions unto them who, uh, for whom nothing is prepared. For uh, this day is holy unto the Lord, our Lord. Uh, neither be sorry for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know what he said in Third John? He said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Amen. So if the joy of the Lord is my strength... And I have this great joy knowing that my children walk in truth. And another scripture says that the father of a fool hath no joy. Must be that uh, the, the, the result and the spiritual temperature of my children can impact my joy and ultimately impact my strength for God. Don't you know the devil knows that? Don't you know that if the foundations be destroyed of which the family is, what can the righteous do? Listen to these statistics. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. And let me say this if you're fatherless or if you're a single mom or vice versa. He'll be a father to the fatherless. So if you're trying and you're going for God, you've got a grace that even married folks don't have. So don't get too depressed with this. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders are from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 75% of adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. 85% of all youths in prison come from fatherless homes. Now that's pretty significant seeing that 41% of children born today, 72% in the African American community come from fatherless homes. The devil knows that. That's what's happened to our nation. It's not the Democrats. It's not the Republicans. Because you always had all those. It's not the Illuminati. It's not this. It's, it's the breaking down of the family. And if the, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? That's out there. What about the church? This is what I found in my experience of being saved for 26 years and pastoring for 18. 70% of the time that the devil 
gets a child from a Christian home, he gets the parents in one way or another. Maybe, I'm just talking about them being immobilized one way or another. Many times, in my experience, they get mad at the pastor. I'm preaching the same thing I've been preaching for 20 years. I'm preaching the same thing. In fact, I'm preaching that uh, this is the reason you came here because of what I was preaching. You ain't going to come in here with no, and if you're, if you're newly saved, if you're just a babe in Christ, just shut your ears off right now. But you're not going to come in here if you were raised under the pew with, 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 with pink hair sticking up like a fagified peacock. I don't know. You're not going to do that here. Amen, preacher. Preach it, preacher. That's what we like to hear until yours is coming in looking like that. Or they quit. Or they're just sideswiped and stupefied and lack their confidence. And the devil knows that if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The devil knows what your and my children mean to us. Isaiah 49. He knows the ripple effect. Isaiah 49, 21. Then shalt thou say in thine heart, Who have begotten me these, seeing I have lost my children? I want to preach a little bit tonight on What to do when the family dream shatters? I'm not making an excuse for bad parenting. Whenever I heard a message like the one I'm going to preach now, when I was, all my kids were under 10, and you know, you just force them into right, I'd say, oh, that guy's just saying that as an excuse for wayward kids. I'm not making an excuse. For bad parenting. If you're a hypocrite, if you're not what you are in church at home, get that right. If you got a temper and you're provoking your children to wrath, apologize and get it right. If you gossip about the preacher, apologize and get it right. If you're half in and you're half out, get in. By the way, for the young people who have a hot-headed father or a wayward mother or this or that, you'll have no excuse at the judgment if you make it to the judgment seat of Christ. Because he said in Ezekiel, there was a proverb that says, my teeth are set on edge, rotted, because my parents are eating sour grapes. No, that may work in psychology, but it doesn't work with God. He said, your teeth are set on edge because you're eating too many jujubes. Timothy's father was a Greek. What are you going to say to him? Josiah, the greatest revival that Israel ever uh, that, 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 that Israel ever saw. Father Ammon, grandfather Manasseh. The worst they ever saw. There'll be no excuse in that day. But if you've done what you know to do, 
I want to give you a little help tonight with what to do when the family dream shatters. And it's not real heavy, but Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. I don't know how many families we have in our church. I don't know if it's 70 or 80 or 90, but I can think of two that haven't been impacted by what I'm saying tonight. Two. Matthew, and the the ripple effect is, is unbelievable. Matthew chapter 10, verse 27. I'm sorry, 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Number one, you better decide up front who you love most. God is asking you right now, who do you love more? Me or your children? And brother, let me tell you, it's easy to say, oh, I love you, Lord. But man, that little child that your wife uh, brought into this world through the death pangs of delivery uh, and and held in her bosom, man, that's a difficult thing, but you're going to have to purpose in your heart just like those those Hebrew children did before the time comes. Lord, I'm going to love you more. Lovest thou me more than these? You better determine up front. Who are you going to love more? And then pray to God you don't have to prove it. John 14. John 14. 27. Peace. I leave with you. My peace, Jesus said, I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Okay? So we've got Jesus' peace and the world's peace. And the world's peace is not always just dope and drunk and all that. Uh, There's a a lot of things that we can get this uh, false sense of security or this temporal peace in. And the way it's manifested, if it's Jesus' peace or the world's peace, is take it away. So our next point is, Examine your source of peace. If my peace is in a spiritual family, if everything's all right in my father's house, when my family is doing well, that can be a worldly peace. Not not necessarily wicked, but, but carnal in this world peace because if you take it away and I wig out or freak out or flip out or get depressed or am in any way immobilized for the cause of Christ, that's a worldly peace. You can't take Jesus' peace away. You can lose. How do you, how do, you do, preacher, when a family leaves? Man, I just, I just swirl in depression. Well, what's that telling me? It's my ministry that's bringing the peace. It's the, it's the crowd that's bringing the peace. It's the results that's bringing the peace. It's the spiritual family that's bringing the peace. It's the good economy or the good job or, or my wife loving me that's bringing the peace. Take those things away and I don't make it. That means my peace. You better determine you're going to get your peace from Jesus Christ. 
God's peace says the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God's peace says, though no one join me, include my own children, still I will follow. God's peace says, when my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Listen, expectations are premeditated bitterness. Expectations are premeditated failure. Don't put your expectations in men. Put them in Jesus Christ. Decide up front who you love most. Examine the source of your peace. Three, you must remember that everyone has a choice. You will not take their choice away. I don't care how many. I've attended probably seven family seminars. I don't know how many books I've read on, on the family. Um, I don't know how many sermons I've preached on the family. I don't know how many sermons I've listened to on the family. But, you know, we, we scorn Calvinism, right? Irresistible grace. Oh, once God draws, can't resist, can't make a choice. We say that's foolish. That's false doctrine. Yet, we'll turn around and in in attend the A to Z seminar. If you do this, and you should, and you do this, and you should, and you do this, and you should, guaranteed. Well, that's sort of a perverted, irresistible grace. You will not take their choice. You need to do all you can do to get in the best church you can be and have the best Bible you can have and be the best parent you can be and do all that you can do. I mean, sweep it and garnish it and tidy it. But he's got to move in and that's up to them. Don't ever forget that. Now, misery loves company, right? (laughs) Remember, better than you have had bad results. 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is the most amazing part of this truth that we're trying to convey tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 4. You know who's writing this book? Probably the greatest Christian that ever lived. The man that wrote three quarters of the New Testament. The man you probably can't find nothing on. Look what he says in verse 10. For Demas hath forsaken me. Did he really just say that? You having what? Loved this present world. He didn't say Demas forsook Joe Camilleri. He didn't say he forsook Adam Thompson. He didn't say he forsook this guy or that. He says he forsook the Apostle Paul. Do you realize the draw that this world must have for a man to forsake the Apostle Paul? He said, in fact, there's only one guy left. You better than him? Don't be too hard on yourself. I mean, examine yourself. Correct your wrongs. Repent of your sin as leaders and parents and such. But when it starts to immobilize you, you must remember that better than you have failed. John chapter 6.
verse 66. Six, six, six. From that time, many of his, Jesus' disciples, went back and walked no more with him. Well, he must have done something wrong. That's what I learned at the seminar. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, really, one, the, 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 one, 120 after three and a half years. Isaiah chapter 1. They got to have a choice. Isaiah chapter 1. Verse 2, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2. Hear, O heavens, give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. This is what God Almighty, the perfect, holy, righteous, sinless one said. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Better than you have had bad results. It's just the way it is. You've got to get up and go on. You can't stop. You must keep going. Decide up front who you love most. Examine your source of peace. You must remember that loved ones have a choice. Better than you have had bad results. First Samuel chapter 2. First Samuel chapter 2. This is crucial. Verse 29. Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and at my offering which I have commanded in my habitation and honorest thy sons above me to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Listen, don't change Don't stop believing what you've always believed. If it was right when they were 5 and 6 and 7, it's right when they're 15 and 16 and 17. Man, don't doubt in the valley what God showed you on the mountaintop. Preach it, preacher. That's what we like to hear. No one's preaching that anymore. And all of a sudden, when their son wants to shack up, when their daughter wants to flaunt her flesh, now all of a sudden, there's no love around here. You know what that is? That's a Satan's domino effect. Listen, I have seen scores made shipwreck. I'm talking about the parents that allowed children, their wayward children, to plot their course. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. You don't let children plot your course. You don't change midstream. Oh, maybe we could just keep having an impact. I've not seen one impact their child for good. I've seen 30 children affect their parents for bad. Every time, without fail. Listen, others are watching. You have other children. You have other people around you. You, Especially if you're in a leadership position and they're watching, there is no greater destruction to someone that's following you as you follow Christ to see all of a sudden, 
Why don't they believe what they always said they believe? This thing must be a big farce. That's the ripple effect. I don't know if any of you ever took a lifesaver course, but you don't swim out there with someone that's drowning and doesn't know how to swim because they're just going to climb on top of you and drown you too. you got to do your best to throw the lifeline, but you can't risk your life as well. You know the father of the prodigal son? You know why it doesn't say how long he was out there? That's for you and me. Now in this day and age, the father would have started a, a pig pen ministry. That's what these churches had. Let's start a pig pen ministry. Just act like here, out, like they do out in the world. One person said to one of our young couples, said to this girl that she was another one, went down. And uh, you'll never be able to raise your children at that church. It's too strict. There's too many rules. And this young lady, you know what she said? She said, when my kids go to the world, they'll be doing what your kids are doing already. And it's accepted in the church. Listen, we've got to maintain something for when he says, or she said, you know what? It wasn't so bad over there. In fact, it was a lot better than this. And you're going to turn, and they're going to turn to what? A pig pen? You've got to have something as if the, the, the church has got to maintain her beacon of light. That if they do ever want to turn, there's some semblance of right and holiness and stability like it always was. You've got to concentrate on what you have left. Wife leaves you, husband leaves you, son or daughter leave you. Look at there's others that are watching. And if you fail in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And you can preach to your children till you're blue in the face. But your actions manifest what you believe and how big your God is. Decide up front who you love most. Examine your source of peace. Remember loved ones have a choice. Better than you have had bad results. Don't change. I love this one. Plead with the one that always responded to desperate parents. You'll find in the ministry of Jesus Christ, he never refused a desperate parent. Sir, come down. Ere my child die. And he came down. Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's lunatic. And he had mercy. Master, I've brought to thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. But he didn't after he met with Jesus. Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Look upon my son, for he is mine only child. And Jesus, look, maybe they don't need another lecture. Maybe you just need a little time pleading with the one and say to the one, where is the one that never refused the desperate parent?
You know that woman we talk about, about the dog and the crumbs from the master's table. You know what her request was? My daughter's grievously vexed with the devil. Plead with the one who never refused. A desperate parent, if you have to plead till the day you die, you may have to die in faith not having received the promise. Remember this. It's not always about winning. It's about fighting. Paul said this. He said, I fought a good fight. Fight. Did he win every single battle? Well, his heart and his heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved, and they all weren't saved. I was at a low point in my 26 years of being saved about almost a year ago now, maybe eight, nine months. And uh, your pastor knows I was ready to throw the towel in. I used to hear guys say they're going to throw in towel. What's wrong with these guys? Don't they trust Jesus? Let me tell you, God will deal you a hand, brethren. You'll find out who you trust. And my partner in the ministry, the one that led me to the Lord, he preached a message one night on a fighter. A fighter by the name of Arturo Gatti. G-A-T-T-I. He lost this fight. But when they talk about the fight, they talk about Gaddy. Because he was just getting pummeled and pummeled and pummeled, but he wouldn't go down. And then he started to come back. I'm ashamed to admit this, but I was for seven days... I didn't pray. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't backslid. Probably closer to the Lord than I ever was. But kind of like Job's three friends, there was really nothing to say. I was out there with the Lord, where I go with Him, but I couldn't say nothing. So I'll be honest with you, brethren. Sometimes I said, "What's the use?" My partner in the Lord preached this message and he kept saying, it's not about winning, it's about fighting. It's not about winning, it's about fighting. It's not about winning, it's about fighting. And then next morning after that, the chords rang again. <laughs> and I could just picture, the, and I, as I say this, the Lord rebuked thee. I bring not a railing accusation against Satan. But it's like the next morning, the powers and the principalities heard the chords ring again. What's he doing up here again? It's not always about winning. What if I don't win? I fought a good fight henceforth. Is laid up for me a crown. Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verse ten.
Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. When I'm weak, then am I strong. You know, we, I always prayed this prayer as a young preacher, but I'd never pray the second half. I want the power of your resurrection. And that still small voice would come back and say, what about the fellowship of my sufferings? I don't like pain. And a woman in my church who was going through a lot of what I'm talking about, her, her kids are falling like dominoes. She told me this, Adam. She said, you know what the fellowship of his sufferings? You know what Jesus suffered for? He suffered for other people's sins. And it almost sounds sadistic. But when you go through something that you have absolutely no control, and you're just, it's not your sin, not your wife's sin, it's just somebody else's sin that you're suffering for, you're going to reach a spiritual plateau that you'd never reach otherwise. I said, I pray to God, you never have to go through anything like this. But look up, because when you come out the other side, you wouldn't trade it for everything staying just perfect. Because you'll know the one a little bit better with whom we have to do. See, all men forsook him and fled. You know, it says in that book, it said that his own brethren didn't believe on him. Luke 15. Isn't this so encouraging? <laughs> Luke 15. 18, that boy said, I will arise and go to my father, O Lord. And I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before thee. Listen, it isn't over. It isn't over. Now, you young ones that are thinking about, well, then I'll go out there and have me some fun. We probably lost 35 in our ministry I'm talking about young people from good Christian homes that made that choice and not one has returned. So you better be very careful about saying, I will and I will and I'll just go have me some fun. But with that said, I don't think there's a time limit in there for you and me. You know Fred Wall in, in, in Haiti. I, I, I don't know the man real well, but I was preaching at the Word for the World Conference and I had seen him there before and I noticed his son was there. And I thought, well, I always like a father-son team. I think we got four out of our church now. Father, son go, and then son breaks off. I know you have a lot of that here. And I remember going up to this man, I think he's 40 years old at the time, and I said, oh, that's real encouraging. Man, that guy was in the world for 20 years. 
How many tears you think that father shed? How many days you think that father might have thought, how can I go win the Haitian people and lose my own family? Is my life in vain? You know what that guy was doing? Candidating to be a missionary in Haiti. I like what Paul Hamilton said. I was asking about his sons. He goes, this is my one son. He does this. My... He said, my other son's a preacher. He just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> Revelation 21.4. It's not over. It's not over. <laughs> and this is going to seem cruel, what I'm going to say, but it's a, it's a truth. Revelation 21, verse 4. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Let me just say this if you're thinking about going and doing your thing, young person. You have no assurance. We, well, we believe in the security of the believer. Listen, it says, Hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. 